Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, Hello, Rom Criminals. I know. You know what I just... I, we haven't done in a while. Welcome to Rom Crime. Yes, with Avern and Vanya. That's right. We take a rom-com or a romantic something and we pair it with a crime like a goddamn fine wine. <laughs> yeah, we do. And you know, we do our best. We're, we're here to make it interesting and entertaining, right? Absolutely. With all those gosh darn true crime podcasts out there, we bring the fun, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we got a unique spin on how we get into our true crime tales by pairing them with, you know, these ooey gooey, ha ha ha, funny, funny stories, That's you know, true. that that you can weirdly usually find some it's aspect a, of it. It's that a nice you really can. Point. Yeah, it's a great and it's also just nice to have some light. We like to start with the light and then yeah. cut the lights and put you into darkness. That's right. And then we bring you back into the light with something we don't know what. But this this series, no, this season, we are kind of focusing mostly on TV series that have like a ROM type quality, which yeah. I am loving. I didn't realize how much, how much TV I watched all my life. So, Right. And yeah. there's no shortage of like amazing television series that inevitably, no matter what type of show it is, exactly. involves some romance it's humankind it's human yeah. it's human nature right it's part of the human experience well let's let's start with our first segment of how was your week any roms any oh any yes this week? i have both tell me so my rom do you have peacock i do okay i literally just found this last night when I got home from work at 2.30 in the morning, because I'm crazy and I live at nighttime, I'm the dark, <laughs> I'm the dark in this light and darks uh, duo you guys are listening to. But there's this new series starring Natasha Lyonne oh, yeah. called Poker Face. And I didn't know what it was about. I know I love her. Russian Doll was one of my favorite. I love her too. Like Netflix shows. And it turns out that it's actually like a murder 
mystery solving TV show starring Natasha Leone, who has a special skill. I won't give it away. No spoilers. But it's got a crazy big cast, too. Um, it's uh, Adrian Brody's in it. Benjamin Bratt's in it. Judith Light is apparently going to be in it. She wasn't in the first episode, which is all I watched. But I'm obsessed. Cool. I yeah. love her, too. And not I do not need more TV to watch, I'll tell you that much. But I will. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I'll bump it's it true. up the list for sure. Um, I know. I It's too much TV. But it is good. Great. That's Yeah. So and then cool. the crime. The crime is just the the GD price of airline tickets. Yeah. I desperately want to fly to New York City to uh, attend my sister's little baby sprinkle. And I'm still probably going to make it happen. But I was looking and flights from LA to New York are usually not that expensive because of how often they occur. Yeah. And I mean, I couldn't find anything for less than $500 oh. to just go for like two and a half days. And no, I was you like, need I have to, to stay for a I have to bit. find, I have to say, I have to find, well, I can't. That's the thing. So I have to find something somehow cheap. Maybe I'll just have to like stop 16 times. Yeah, maybe. Or take a horse half the way and take, <laughs> take a RV the other way and hitch a ride or with a man. Or just fly, yeah, fly somewhere else and take a bus and I don't know. Oh my gosh, Avrin, last night I sang, because, you know, when we get bored as the fan, one thing I've brought to my house is karaoke because I have, I used to live in the night, just like Avrin, um, but I yeah. live in the day because I have beautiful family members who are under the age of 10. 10. I've got two yeah. of them. And... um Anyways, we were singing some karaoke, and I was like, you know what? I'll sing Me and My Bobby McGee. And that, Good one. I know. I was like, I know every single song. I, I know every single word and like utterance of this song. Anyways, it was really fun. Highly recommend if you guys are at the karaoke bar, and you're like, what the hell am I going to sing? That's a good one. Yeah. La-da-da, la-da-da. Anyways, it's great. So I love it. I love your rom. I love your... I mean, I don't love your crime. I think that's some... It's just a bummer. I yeah. mean, I know everybody's been, it's not like news to anyone that the price of airline tickets has skyrocketed, but I was just kind of like, you're joking. Yeah. Like, That's a bummer. I feel like it shouldn't, but oh well. Okay. Um, so I have a ROM. My ROM this week is, you know, I've been, I've been complaining about my sweet son a lot lately. <laughs> and, um, <gasps> but this week I decided, you know what? One thing that causes always... It's hard, it's hard to see when you're in things to understand what prob- the problem is. And what, mm-hmm. what causes a lot of our strife and crying and freaking the hell out is the iPad. And oh, so yeah. we decided, you know what, weekdays, none, nada. And then on the weekends, they can, ha- they, can have a, they can have 30 minutes on Friday night, which is a weeknight, but 30 minutes on Saturday and 30 minutes on Sunday. And that is it. And, that and, is which awesome. is a radical change from what we were kind of, we just were like, I have to work, I have to research this thing, I have to do this, so get on the iPad or whatever. And the truth is, is it, yes, we've gotten some fighting, but it's nothing like every time we take the iPad away from them. That's like yeah. a cra- you're taking their crack pipe away from the crackhead, and they're like, ah, I want my iPad. So yeah. this is, it's been a good weekend. Guess what? They play together. What? Isn't that interesting? Why do you know? I mean, they, they do go make, outside? Not yet. We, our backyard's real squishy still. It's got lots oh, of Oh, that's true. Moisture. Also, it's cold. It's, it's been cold. very cold. But listen, as soon as they can, I want them to do it. We've been talking about, they've been watching a lot of Bluey. And uh, anyways, there's, Bluey's awesome. The whole set's cool. And so they're like, they have like a little outdoor area. They're going to make it look like the Bluey um, Ooh, clubhouse fun. or whatever. Yeah. So we're going to do that. But anyways, I just feel so happy. Life has been a little bit better this week. So That's I'm, awesome. Thank God, right? Cheers to 
And it's hard. Trust me. There's times where it's not. I, I'm trust me. I'm letting them watch TV. It, but that lost right, its but appeal that's once different. the iPad came. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's true. You know, they say like all the inventors of all this crazy technology, they don't let their kids play with that stuff because right. of what it was designed to do, which was to be addictive. Uh-huh. <laughs> and know? it is. I, I mean, yeah. I see it. And actually, I spent this week uh, also not uh, imbibing at all, which I feel great. I really am. Yeah. So I read an article in The Times about like, Honestly, oh, I saw that. Uh, yeah, like no, that no amount of drinking is good for you. Yeah, but it actually was good for me to read because it was super. It's super motivating, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna yeah. take some time off, so I feel great. Um, so, but for my crime, it's actually an exciting, fun one. You know how Avern, you do some fun ones once in a while. I got a fun one. Yeah. Oh, so, tell me. Uh, I, I because we pushed a couple, like an hour or whatever, not even for our recording. Um, I started watching this. TV show on Netflix called Sue Perkins Perfectly Legal. And you know who Sue Perkins is? She's the one, she's one of the, um, she's a comedian. She's British. She's so funny. Anyways, I, I recommend it. She goes, I've only watched the first episode. It's kind of like docu-style. And it, in a weird way, it reminds me of Anthony Bourdain without borders or no oh, borders. Whatever okay. it is. But it's, she's a comedian. So she goes and meets other comedians in different countries. And she's looking for things that are illegal or criminal in like the States or, or, Brit, uh, you know, England. It is, it'll laugh out loud. Give me an example. Give me an example. Okay. Looking for things illegal. So she goes to Colombia. Okay. And she gets, well, I don't, that was a good one. That's a good one. She goes and plays this game. She gets shit faced and plays this game with explosions, which is oh. something they wouldn't like really necessarily allow. Like she, she gets shot at one point and she talks oh, shit. about, and there's, she finds people who, um, it's legal to, um, donkeys oh my god it's and then they go to mexico city it's just it's 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 like i guffawed a a bunch of times like i laughed really really hard and just like oh my god i can't believe they're doing and she's kind of so straight laced her whole thing is like she's 50 and she doesn't want to ever feel stuck so she's pushing her boundaries it's like kind of like a i think like a post-covid like let's get out there and do something fun it's so funny. Oh my gosh. That sounds awesome. And it's interesting too. So if you're in if you're looking for something to watch while you're folding clothes or whatever you're doing, I highly recommend it. It was a blast. Groovy groups. It's called Sue Perkins Perfectly Legal. Perfectly legal. I also love that concept of like, yeah, let's find places where things that are illegal to do where I live are legal to do, and then we'll just go there yeah. and do them. And she's get- such a great like, idea. She gets so hammered in the first uh in the beginning of the first episode it is hilarious so <laughs> I, you know you just don't see that and she's out like with the people and and the local comedian can, comedians are funny as hell too it's just yeah. it's great so that's I great thank it. you i will check that out yeah. so um Avern, are you ready for i'm our... so excited okay you guys this is near and dear to both of our hearts i'm gonna start it like this hope family and football clear eyes Full hearts, can't lose. Avram Mackey, what are we doing this year or this episode? We're, I think, going into the absolutely amazing, wonderful Friday Night Lights. That's right. The series, not the movie, because neither one of us saw the movie. Just the series. Yeah. Although I think it is important to note that in both the movie and the series, Tammy Taylor was played by the only actress who could ever play Tammy Taylor, Connie Connie Britton. Britton. I love that she plays her in both because I, I can't even imagine she another person series yeah, for me she, she, well, yeah she didn't for me too 
I mean, there's a lot Taylor. of things. Yeah. Yeah. But Tammy Taylor. So Friday Night Lights, it's a start, it came out in 2006. It's a drama series with some rum in there. Don't worry. It's set in a small Texas town where high school football players are celebrities. High school football is God. Bigger than God. It's bigger than God. That's right. It goes uh, football, God, guns. Yeah. Now, I know this sounds crazy, but it has been one of the most entire, like most in- entertaining experiences of my life. You know, just this teen drama. And we were in our, oh, I was in my 20s when I was watching it. And listen, I don't even, I don't even care about football. That's why I was laughing at the beginning is when you, we were talking, you're like, I don't even care about football. <laughs> but I, I don't, but I cared yeah. the, a lot about the show. And I know, I was like, don't tell my husband. But the truth is, is I can enjoy like a game if we go. It's really fun. But I love the show because the show was so much more than just like the football game. But one thing you know about me, Av, is I love an inspirational speech. Man, mm-hmm. I love it. Yep. And when it is given by the coach Eric Taylor, a.k.a. Kyle Chandler, I'm a watching and I'm a loving, you know. And I'm a feeling inspired. I really do. I love I love a coach sp- sp- like yeah. speech. It just makes me happy. And going back and re-watching some things, I was like, yes, yes, yes. yes. That's why I love Ted Lasso so much. Yes, absolutely. It's like, just just put me in a locker room and motivate me to do my best <laughs> every morning. I, I mean, I need to, to like somehow figure out how to make that happen. Like pump me up. Tell right. me like I'm going to just rule the day. I'm right, going to well, win the game. Then guess what, Avern? I'm going to give you a couple of his quotes. Just just a few. Opportunity does not knock. It presents itself when you beat down the door. Okay. Ooh, good. Very good. A good one. Here's another one. You're not quitting this team. I'm not going to let you quit. I know you. You quit this team. You're going to hate yourself. You want to be pissed? Fine. Go ahead. You be pissed. I don't give a damn. But you're not quitting this team. All right. Yes. Except for like sometimes if a kid does want to quit a certain sport. You let them go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, But not when you're, you know, like a serious football player, I guess, in Texas. I got another one for you. Every man at some point in his life is going to lose a battle. He's going to fight and he's going to lose. But what makes him a man or a woman or a non-barrier person is that in the midst of that battle, he does not lose himself. Oh, Don't lose yourself. Or, you know, learn from it and then like move on. But that's fine. Okay, I got one more. I got, I'm saving one for the end, but... Listen to me. I said you need to strive to be better than everyone else. I I, I didn't say you needed to be better than everyone else, but you got to try. That's what character is. It's in the trying. And that is what I say to my daughter every time she goes out to play any sport. I'm like, I don't care if you're good. I just want you to try. I just want to see you try. I just want to see you try, you know? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And that's actually great advice. Like, you should always, in whatever you're passionate about, right? Because obviously this passion is football in this series. Yeah. And it's kind of built around how important football is to the, not just like, you know, to the the community. Yeah, It's like what everything is is about. It's like the whole thing revolves around football in these small Texas towns. Mm -hmm. And that's actually very true. That does exist. Oh, yeah. And it's, you know, and so when it's your passion like that, like you might not be the best, but gosh, you should try. Yeah. um, Like that builds character. Agreed. And will make you better every single time. This also reminds me of, I've been watching uh, this series on, oh, where is it? I can't remember. It's Wrexham. It's about uh, Ryan Reynolds and... Oh, is it Apple? 
It's Apple, yeah. It's where Ryan they bought the, and the other the guy. football team. Oh, I'm such a bastard. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the really funny guy from Always Sunny in Philadelphia yes. and that other show uh, on HBO, maybe. He's great. He's so great. Um, And I'm a, such a dick. I'm sure I'm, I'm going to like blurt. I'll blurt his name out later okay, on randomly. Please do. And he's married to that really funny lady. Anyways, it's a docu documentary series about them going to Wrexham. They buy a, the soccer team, the football team. But it's sim similar. Like their whole life, these Wrexham people, it's in... Oh my God, where's it in? Danish. No, not Danish. Uh, Wales. It's in Wales. But th their whole life, their community is built around this. So it's similar. And I, even where I grew up, people love football or love soccer. No, football. <laughs> but isn't it interesting that in other countries like this sport, the most important sport, sport, we refer to it as soccer, but they refer to it as football. Which makes more sense because it's your foot hitting the ball. It it does. It is. But I also just think like football is like, I think the term for like the sport that defines a place, maybe. That's true. And that's why we're the only country because American football. It's world. You know, worldly loved. And I think, I mean, every year they have the World Cup for football, for soccer, for putty. I feel like people more and more are just getting on board. I, I, it, mean, yeah. I actually really do enjoy watching soccer. So, but I don't want to digress. Here let's let's give Miss uh, keep going. Welcome to the stage, Tammy Taylor. Tammy Taylor, oh can my it, gosh, I am still your mama, girl. That's right, coach's <laughs> wife who moves around with her husband and supports him for eighteen years, guys. She has been a coach's wife for eighteen years, and now it's time for her to follow her dream job. You know, um, yeah. That's remember that episode where she's like, finally, she's like, I think I could do this. She becomes like the school counselor. Mm -hmm. Oh, God bless Connie Britton. She's just wonderful. And you know what's? Yeah. She's tell so me, good. tell she's me your thoughts. Do you have any like, well, okay. So actually let's go on. Let's go to Julie Taylor because I'm going to talk more about Tammy. Um, okay. So their daughter who made me not, I, my daughter's like right next to her. She made, they made, watching Julie Taylor made me not want to have children. Mm -hmm. Yet I did, but I can still hear Tammy Taylor saying, I'm still your mama, girl. That's right. That's right. The scene when she is, okay, so the scene when Julie is like in this van with this like dipshit guy and they're making out and Tammy like looks outside, she sees it and she runs out with such, like she's, she looks like my mom. It scares me. Like she runs out, she knocks on that door, like she pulls her out of the car and she's like, get out of this car. And they get in this crazy fight. And, um, and though I do not stand behind hitting your children. It was right. one of the most satisfying scenes to see Tammy Taylor slap her daughter. I'm sorry, I said yep, it. It was. I'm well, because Julie, I mean, Julie pushes us as the audience to where we would also slap her. Yes, it's And so true. it's like, it's like we're all slapping her. I know. And also there's something about watching a young girl choose to kind of be an asshole. Yes. When she has, you know, when she really has like a wonderful life. She has great parents, great stability. She's, you know, she's the coach's daughter. So built in like popularity because football is everything. And so I don't know. I was like, you are annoying. I know it's tough because it is like even to somebody who has a seemingly perfect life, a teenager can feel trauma and of harm. And, and that's what that's what sucks. You know, it's like all of us, not all of us, a lot of us had pretty just normal upbringings, but still mm -hmm. felt some anguish and teenagers. Yeah. I got it. Um, and I guess I watched this. I also was in. Did we watch this together? Right. Well, or I at think least you part guys, of it. I think you, yes, part of it for sure. I think you guys introduced it to me because okay. I didn't know what it was before, and you guys yeah. were like, "Oh my gosh, you have to watch the show." 
Well, I can I tell you actually why I started watching it? So my roommate yes. at the time, Steve, oh, set up yeah. this huge projector that was like connected to, you know, the internet where he had all of these movies and TV things And this downloaded. is 2006, guys. So Yeah, this is a long time ago. But basically he's like, oh, Friday Night Lights is super fun. You should watch it. And then he met um, the woman who was now his wife like the day after we moved in together as roommates and I never saw him again <laughs> Which, but he left the projector there so he would only come back you know every once in a while I, it's, a, it's a beautiful That's story so like, wild yeah like they're married that. now it's wonderful but I had this giant projector with all these TV shows I'd never seen so uh, we picked Friday Night Lights and then our other friend Ashley who lived in the building and Samara who lived in the building I think I was like you guys come down let's watch something on the projector and that's then so funny we were obsessed it's so good so and I think we moved in like a year after that so we came late to the table but I was like god damn and then I think I told my friend Mike and I and we just we just spread it around like because yeah. the thing about the show is it's been it's like critically loved but it didn't get a huge audience because of the writer's strike and then it got sold yeah, to got, like, like direct TV or some weird thing like that. But yeah, now and it ran off it the all. rails. It ran off the oh. rails for, I think a, the third or fourth season. It was season you're like, two. What? It was season, oh, was it two, season two. If you can believe it, I'll, I'll get to that. Um, but to just put a little, t- little, little pin on Miss Julie, I love when Connie Britton, I'm sorry. Um, when Tammy Taylor, uh, protects her daughter from that creepy teacher and, mm-hmm. and she says, I can have you thrown into prison if you lay one hand on my daughter. Because he's like, they're having lunch every day. It's like a young teacher. And it's inappropriate. And I was yeah. just thinking, this causes strife. Oh, no. This causes strife between mom and daughter. And it's tough because Julie is stupid and keeps getting into really dangerous situations. So I'm fully on Tammy's side. I'm also terrified of having a daughter. And then guess mm-hmm. what? I have one. It's fine. She, but my daughter's not an asshole. Like, she doesn't. No. I mean, who knows? Maybe we all have it in us. But like, you know. Um, but yes, she protects her and I, and I love that. I'm just like, I feel like there's, so it's not just Connie Britton's acting and, and all the people it's that era where everything was kind of like a documentary style. Like, like the camera was kind of like shaking. Yeah, it moved around mm-hmm. with them. I think they set it up like in the house where they filmed where they lived. There were just cameras set up That's everywhere. Right. And then they got to just move through the space freely. That is not common in TV, especially. Everything is like completely dictated, you know. And even I was doing some research and the actors were like after this was like the most incredible experience for them because they really got to just like live and play. And even the creator or showrunner, they would they even got to improvise and have some say in their characters, which is not truly the way it happened. Happens. So a lot of actors were like, when I went to the next show, it was much different. Right. Not quite but, the same experience. To say that, it, it really gave you a feeling of like danger a little bit. And also like, honestly, how a teenager, how te- how high school is. It's so big and dramatic. We talk about this and a lot, fraught. but you know what I mean. It's and fraught. fraught. With like just all the emotions and unformed human brains. Yeah. Uh, and oh God, poor. Unfully J- formed. Sorry. And now they're playing football and getting those brains beat I was going to say Jason Street. Let's talk about him who has a life threatening injury. He's a quarterback. It leaves him paralyzed. And this his misfortune kicks off the series. So he he's has like a like a side part throughout. But like this is like the big thing. It's like he's the football star. So. Matt Saracen. Right, it's kind of oh, like yeah. the, the scream. Like, he's like the Drew Barrymore of Friday Night Lights. Like, the first episode. Yes. This is our star. This is who this show is about. And then it turns out that he has, a like, a huge tragedy yeah. befalls him. 
and his dreams are ruined and his whole was future that's been planned accident. out. I mean, he hurt yeah. himself in football and that's why you have to be, that's why they really teach them how to hit people. I, it scares me. I know, I know my sweet baby nephews play and a, lo- a bunch of other people play. I just get so scared. I'm scared of cat. Then we have Matt Saracen who comes in to, uh, you know, help him out. He Like after Street gets hurt, it's up to Cutie Saracen to come back and win the game. Man, this kid can throw the ball. And right. <laughs> anyway. So he's like the, B, the B-list quarterback that yeah. nobody cares a lick about. And then when he has to come in in the big game, y'all, he wins the game. And now he's the new star. Of Which the I will say this sets the tone for the series. You know what you're going to get. You're going to get mm-hmm. some some drama, but you're going to feel good at the end. And in the series, he also ends up dating stupid Julie, but it's fine. Yeah, But she gets smarter because she picks him instead of teachers exactly. and stuff. And yeah. then who who didn't love, who didn't drip over Tim Riggins? I mean, oh, a Riggins, seeming fuck Tim up Riggins. who thinks he only about himself, but deep down he's always trying to do the right thing, but he can't ever catch a goddamn break. He takes the fall for right. his brother. He's not, he's not like the smartest, but... He's got a, a good heart and he's so hot. Yeah, and he's just like one of those guys who's like always like fixing his hair. And he's like, yo, I just woke up from a nap. Yeah. <laughs> he's so, yeah. And then who Smash. plays him? Oh, 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 gosh. Did I not write it down? I can't remember. I had it up. No, I feel like I should know off the top of my head. I, well, if it comes back. I also love that, like, right now I'm like, so Jason Street is the same guy from the show Dixie. I can't think of his oh, name yeah, either. And right. that Ginny and Georgia show. And Sarenson has been in, um, he was on Good Girls. And he's also, <laughs> uh, they just brought back the show Criminal Minds. Oh. They're calling it Criminal Minds Evolution. And the same actor who plays Matt Sarenson is playing, like, the big bad no on way. the newest season. He's a serial killer. It's a far departure. Oh, wow. Well, that'll be interesting. Also, we have Smash, who was like a fun-loving guy whose mom also was like, I'm still your mama. Like, I'm going to get... I feel yes. like him and or Connie and his mom had like a little bit. Um, but then, of course, he takes a stand because that other coach says some stupid racist shit. And he's mm-hmm. like, they, him and other people walk out. And then, guys, Landry. Landry, Landry, Landry. A sweet, oh, Landry. shy guy who plays football. These guys all play football. Uh, he's in love with Tyra, Tyra Colette, played by Adrian. And she's Palicki. the bad girl. She's the bad girl. And he and and by the way, Landry is the one we were talking about the crazy storyline. It's so stupid. It's so crazy that can you get this? That like season three, they pretended didn't even happen. And I it's know, like a big ass thing that happened. They it's like involves like a murder. Yeah, it's like he murders <laughs> someone. So just if if you're listening to this and you haven't watched Friday Night Lights the series, just get through it. You're, you're gonna it'll be you're, you're yeah. gonna be watching Push going through. what um, what happened to this this TV yeah show? it was so weird. Yeah. and Tyra is also kind of like Riggins on and off. Yeah, girlfriend, right? Yeah. But also Landry loves her, loves. and Landry's like the nerdy guy, and he's also Matt Sarenson's best friend. Exactly. Yes, good, good, yeah. good. He's like he's such a fun, and this guy works a lot too. And of course, I did oh, not write his name. Oh, that's Jesse. Wait, is it Jesse Tyler Baker? Is that his name? Maybe? He definitely has three names. He's a uh, he's doing great. Oh yeah, he just married Kirsten Dunst. Oh my god, good for him. Good for you, Landry. <laughs> I've always wanted you to win. But getting back to Tyra, man, she was such a fascinating character for me who just she wanted was. to get the hell out of this town. And she says, when so many people tell you what you are, you start to believe them. Whose sister's a stripper and whose mom, who, whose mom drinks boxes of wine like it's water. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so many great characters. Love it. And actors. She's great. That's right. And the evolution of all of them, you know, like the, the things that they, as they grow up, you know, because high school, you know, 
it's like le- it's like right before you become a legal yeah, adult. Yeah. And it's, you know, people change and evolve and become or start to become, you know, who they might become. If exactly. that makes any sense. No, it's true. And if you could just get I mean, like seriously, I am so flipping glad that high school is not your whole life. For God's oh my God. sakes, you know? So anywho, as I finish up but here, you know, before we get to hear Avron's beautiful inspired crime, let well maybe not. Oh be wait, up. we'll see. Did you mention Lila Garrity? Oh no, tell us about Lila Garrity. So just because I feel like we got to give the lady, the lady characters shout outs as well. Lila Garrity is like the mayor's daughter, head cheerleader, Jason oh, Street's yes. girlfriend. That's right. That's right. Who has like pinned her entire future and like what she sees for her life on that's like right. being the wife of Jason Street who's going to be this huge football star again, episode one, y'all he gets paralyzed. Right. Right. And all of a sudden she, she has to basically figure out who she really is. Did she ever really love him? Is she a horrible person or a good person? And it's a very interesting journey. Yeah. Um, I mean, I also hated her, her, but her, in that yeah, way, you, I think you're supposed to. Yeah. Like she's like the popular mean girl. Yeah. Um, I think that's like the only other major character that you had that you just the, the only uh, and besides her, I always uh, Tammy's sister. She comes in oh. and out, but she's a real. I don't know you. The scenes between them are so good, and that actress kind of just makes you want to punch a wall. Mm, um, but yeah. anywho, so I'm just gonna end us here with, or, or I'm going to begin us here with one more Coach Taylor inspirational quote. Give all of us gathered here tonight the strength to remember that life is so very fragile. We are all vulnerable, and we will all, at some point in our lives, fall. We will all fall. We must carry this in our hearts, that what we have here is special, that it cannot be taken from us, that it can be taken from us, actually. And when it is taken from us, we will be tested. We will be tested to our very souls. We will now all be tested. It is these times, it is this pain that allows us to look inside ourselves. Now, I to- don't totally get it, but damn, I am inspired. It's so good. Yeah. I mean, for the speeches alone, I bet you could go on YouTube and be like, the best of Coach Taylor inspirational speeches and watch all of them in oh, one you, place. You can go on YouTube and for sure do that. Yeah. yeah, maybe that's what I'll do instead of figuring out how to magically be transported into a locker room getting a pep top every day. <laughs> Just watch those clips. So um, all I have to say is hope, family, and football. That's what you get from Friday Night Lights. And it may not be a right. rom-com, but it sure has the rom, and it's definitely got the drum. And you could stream it on Prime if you have it. Trust me. It's mm-hmm. a great ride. Do it. It's so much fun. Is it clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose? It's a good motto. Right? Yeah, clear eyes. It's a great motto. Okay. So moving into the dark crime aspect of of our podcast. Obviously, this was pretty clear to me. I knew that whatever crime I picked was going to be connected to football. And unfortunately, you know, there's actually some very well-known public, you know, there's a whole documentary about um, Aaron Hernandez. And um, I was just watching a stand-up thing, like, not too long ago that I can't, something Rice or Wright, who, like, on video in an elevator, like, punched his girlfriend or wife in the head. Um, There's all kinds of stuff. There's the dog fighting. There's so many things. But my husband cleverly pointed out, Avern, if you're really trying to like tie your crime to Friday Night Lights, you need to look into high school football and true crime, which led me to this documentary on Showtime that's called Outcry. 
It's a five-parter. It's very, very, very well done. It's, it's a, it's a great watch. It's a frustrating watch. It's like a tense watch, you know, as you're like waiting for everything to unfold as it does. It is a uh, trigger warning. Uh, the crime at the center of the injustice that I'm going to talk about does involve uh, abuse of a child. And so I just want to put, I just want to let people know the focus of this documentary is not necessarily as much on that aspect of it, but about who was accused and everything that happened afterwards. Uh, but I do just want to just mention up, up front that that is part of this story. Thank you. So that you're aware. Okay. So it's 2012 in Leander, Texas, which is basically, I think, a suburb north of Austin. Mm. And it's um, it's right next to Cedar Park, Texas. And both of these are like small little towns in Williamson County. And they are huge football rivals. All right. Gotcha. Huge. And Leander star. I mean, this could literally the way this this uh, main person in this story's life starts out. Well, let's just tell you his name is Greg Kelly. He could have been like the one of the main characters on Friday Night Lights. He is a star football player. Like as a sophomore, I believe, or even maybe as a freshman, he made the varsity team. And this is like D5 or Division A or something that's good. Like not, like this is a good high school football team. Like they are contenders. And he is a star at a very young, like, age in high school. And by the time he is a junior, he has literally been offered four full ride scholarships to play football. And he has even signed and committed to attending the University of Texas in San Antonio for a full football scholarship ride. Okay. He is handsome. His girlfriend is the the leader of the Bluebells, which is the dance team, not the cheer team for the for the football team. And they're like actually like statewide recognized as like one of the best dance teams. And she's the she's the head. She's like the main bluebell, also just bluebell. I'm like, yeah. what are we? Where are we? We're in Texas, you guys. I love it. I love it. Um, so his girlfriend is basically head cheerleader, but head dancer. He's a star football player. And it's like something, you know, out of Friday Night Lights, his best friend, um, Jonathan McCarty, is not as good of a football player, but they're, you know, they're great buds. And in fact, in late 2012, when a series of really unfortunate events happen, his best friend's family is going to step in to help out. So in 2012, his father had suffered a stroke and like a pretty massive stroke that led to like a really long recovery process. And almost at the same time, his mom is diagnosed with brain cancer. Oh, no. And so they need to go away for medical treatment, right? They live in this small little Texas town, Leander, Texas. And the dilemma becomes like, do we take our son out of high school, his junior year, where he's got all of these things going for him? Because we have to leave. And then Jonathan McCarty's mom, Shama, who's like, she's a big football mom, even though her son's not actually like a great football player. He's like an average football player, but she's huge into it. She offers to let him stay with them in their home uh, to finish out his year, his junior year. And he gratefully and graciously accepts. And it's, you know, it's a, 
It's like one of those houses that was described as like where all the teenagers hung out at mm. the McCarty house. And his parents were big into football. His mom actually ran a daycare out of the home. And uh, they took him in. They provided him with a car and a cell phone and food. Oh, my and gosh. Like, they basically became his family while his parents were getting better. And that brings us to the summer before his senior year where everything changed. Let me pull up my notes. Sorry. I was like, I have to pull up the notes for dates and stuff now. So on July 15th of 2013, an outcry interview was recorded. Now, an outcry interview is basically the interview where a child tells, you know, police officers and social workers about abuse against them and and names who's abused them and what's been done to them. So on July 15th, one of the children from the daycare run out of Shama McCarty's home makes an outcry and says, uh, this is what the child says verbatim, uh, Greg put his pee-pee in my mouth. Oh, no. So obviously immediately police, you know, they start to, you know, they're like, who's this Greg? And Greg gets notified basically almost the same day, I believe, that he's being accused of sexually abusing um, a four-year-old boy. Oh. And he's horrified. He's like, that's absolutely impossible. There's no way I, I did that. Like, I don't understand how this is even happening. And, you know, as I mentioned, his his parents are like, you know, not doing great. So he actually goes to his girlfriend, Gabri. That's her name. I don't know if I mentioned it before. Gabri Anderson is his girlfriend. And he goes to her parents and is, asks them for help. And they basically advise him to, you know, just like cooperate. You obviously didn't do this. You know, and we'll, we'll get, we're behind you. We support you. We know that you didn't do this, right? So, all right, hold on. That's very me, upsetting. That is it's very upsetting. Incredibly upsetting. It all happens really fast too. In the state of Texas, all you need is for an outcry to be made, for a grand jury to see the outcry, which I mentioned is a video of a child say like describing their abuse and who was their abuser. And if the grand jury believes the child, they file an indictment and you go to trial. And that's what happens here. So this child names Greg, Mr. Greg, as the man who assaulted him. Then uh, they show this tape to a grand jury. The grand jury believes the child and they indict him. And he he's basically arrested oh and uh, goes to jail and is going to stand trial for a charge that it's called the super aggravated sexual assault of a child. So aggravated sexual assault of a child already existed. And in recent law leading up to this, they like created a new one for children under the age of six and it's super aggravated and it comes with a mandatory minimum sentence of 25 years in life, no parole with a possible maximum sentence of 99 years in prison. Okay. So obviously it's going to need a lawyer Yeah, and Shama, his, uh, his best friend's mom, Shama recommends a lawyer to him and her name is Patricia Cummings. Okay. Now she is like, Again, this is a small town, and he was a football star. So this is on the news, you guys. He is immediately, upon being arrested, expelled from school and sent to, like, while awaiting trial, he's sent to basically, like, a, a, an alternative school for, like, bad kids that's very military-based. And 
his whole life. Like he's literally about to start his senior year. Everything's going great. Uh, he is accused of sexually assaulting uh, or sexually abusing a child. He is arrested. He is expelled. His scholarship is revoked. Football is no longer an option. His whole life is over. But he he knows that he didn't do this. And his girlfriend stands with him. All of his friends stand with him. Like anyone who knows him does not believe that he did this. Okay. Did they? And it was kind of. Well, I'll let you tell them. No, no, ask away. Well, I was going to say, did they have the child like pick him out in like a lineup or? Well, we'll get. Okay, I figured. (laughs) So July 7th of 2014, Greg's trial begins. Now, the whole time, basically, his defense lawyer is like, listen, (laughs) this is. Greg didn't do this. I don't know what's going on here, but he didn't do this. And they have, at this point, a second child had come forward as a victim as well. Now, the children are not forced to testify in court. Obviously, that would be unimaginably cruel and horrible. So, but they they basically, it's like they're over TV, like live TV feed where they testify. And in the middle of trial, the second child who had come forward and accused Greg recants his story while he's testifying. And he says, no, he never touched me. He never hurt me. Which really like kind of puts a a damper for the prosecutors. And let me stop there and mention the prosecutor. So the main DA at the time was a woman named Jana Duty. And she's like, super Texas y'all like I think her ad videos when she was running for DA is like her like riding a horse and like shooting at things shooting at pedophiles shooting at pedophiles and um you know she's like very staunch they want to get this guy this bad guy and uh so this was a bad thing for the the one of the two alleged victims to recant in court and say no this never happened and for the defense, they're like, this is good for us. This means that, you know, like, this is this is good for us. So they decide to bring in this witness. This whole thing is bonkers to me. They bring in, the prosecutors bring in this guy named Philip Forbes, who was a gym owner, the gym, the gym owner of the gym where Greg trained, who gets on the stand and proceeds to tell them that he, Greg was a, a good guy, and they really bonded because uh, he was a, sir, he was an, the army or whatever. And Greg told him he was a Marine. Greg was a 17 year old high school student, by the way, when he went on trial. So there's no way he was a Marine. They basically paint him to be this like unpatriotic liar who would like lie about being a Marine brought in solely to poison the jury, right? To be like, this is a bad kid who lied about protecting the country. So after the, um, Cases are arrested and the jury goes in. Originally, they're split 6-6. Then after a couple more hours and asking to review evidence, it's like 9-3. And then it's 11-1. And they go back and they say, hey, this is where we're at. And they're like, okay, well, call your family. Tell them to bring you a change of clothes. We're going to have to like put you up in a hotel room and keep you guys here. And they're tired and they're angry. And that holdout juror is kind of pressured into switching over to have the unanimous juror and they come back rather than staying overnight they come back with their their decision that day and greg kelly is found guilty of super aggravated sexual assault of a child the very next day he is brought to court for like sentencing right and his lawyer patricia she comes running in 
And she says, okay, here's the deal. I spoke to the judge. He has agreed to only sentence you to the minimum, which is 25 years in prison with no possibility of parole. If you promise not to file, if you give away your right to appeal. Uh, But you have to decide now. And then the bailiff's like, you guys have five minutes. So he looks to his family because they had offered him plea after plea, like you can do 10 years, child sex offense, like child, sorry, sex, of, not child, a sex offender list. You have to register and then the probation. Then they even come back with like no jail time, but you have to register as a sex offender and you have to do this much probation and fines. And he refuses. He's like, no, I didn't do it. I'm not going to say I'm a sex offender and that I did this. I didn't do it. Right. So now he's been found guilty, which he did not think was possible. So he looks at his family and he says, I'm going to put this decision to you. What do you guys want me to do? Do I give up my right to appeal and get out when I'm 44? And ultimately, that's the decision his family makes. It's like, well, we want to we want to get you out as soon as we possibly can. And alive, yeah. Yeah, so he is sentenced to 25 years in prison with no parole. Now, there's this like random figure in the documentary. I don't know exactly what he does or who he is, but his name is Jake Bryden. And he hears about the case. He hears about... How, you know, a child accused this teenage football star of sexual abuse and then the trial, everything kind of happened quick. And he's just thinking this feels weird. He doesn't know him. He doesn't know anything about it. But he just feels like something about it seems off. And also he's noticed lately this trend of like cases by, that had been pro- like prosecuted by this particular DA's office, Jana Judy's. A lot of them were recently being overturned. Like a man who was put in prison for murdering his wife and spent a really long time there, like was proven innocent. Oh, my God. And and so there's kind of like this over or underlining sense that maybe in this specific area in Texas, there are a lot more innocent people in prison than most people would ever be comfortable with. So he basically starts like from the moment he's found guilty and sentenced to 25 years, there's like a movement. Right. And this Braden guy or Bryden, sorry, I think he might be wealthy. Because he's definitely flying like a, his own plane in one episode of the docuseries. Um, he starts a, like the Greg Kelly Foundation. They start holding rallies and protests and the hashtag pray for GK. And they're like, we got to get him out. He's innocent. This is like a miscarriage of justice. We absolutely have to do something about this. He is innocent. Uh, this group, the the supporters, if you will, of Greg Kelly are called by the their are referred to by the police officers involved in the case as like being a cult, which will come back to bite them in the butt later on. Cause that's just, people have the right to, you know, protest and support. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so his lawyer, Patricia, who did not a great job, obviously, cause he went to jail decides he is innocent. I have to do something. So she goes to like super duper lawyer, Keith Hampton, who's like notorious for getting convictions overturned. He's really smart, you guys. I mean, you have to um, be to get a conviction overturned. And he knows, and he, it's, yeah, it's hard to do. So she goes to him, she gives him the case, and she says, you have to help this kid. And he's like, okay, well, I'll look at it. Now, immediately, he looks at the case, and on page one, it says the date of the Abuse. assault. Yes. Yeah, was... July 12th of 2013. Now, he is able to then look at all the other stuff and see that Greg had moved out of the McCarty home in June. So he didn't live there 
on the date of the assault. He actually goes as far as to get his phone and GPS data Hello. For, the, a whole, for a full year leading up until the date of the assault. And he it, he can prove through all of that that on the day of the assault, Greg was not only not living in that house anymore, but he was actually helping his brother move that day. And there's photo evidence that he's sending to his girlfriend of him being like, I am stuck in traffic in a moving truck. You know, oh there's like God. all of this proof, right? So that's just right out the gate. He sees that immediately. Bad he's lawyer. Like, Not him, but like, the other the lawyer. What the hell? Yeah, like one, like why didn't Patricia ever mention this? And also like, did no one ever look in? Did no one ever look further than the child giving his name? So basically, he he gathers a bunch more evidence, right? And one of the things that he wants to present as like part of why he deserves like maybe at least a hearing to consider that perhaps he should get a new trial or maybe just not have been charged in the first place. The documentary basically brings us over to a Dr. Kamala London, and she's a child like psychologist who specializes in it, like how you should properly interview children and using proper like interview techniques. And so, you know, back in the eighties with satanic panic, when they basically like kids were having like basically fake memories yeah. Based on being fed specific leading questions, a child can make up things that you wouldn't believe. And so the idea of like, just believe them. She's like, their brains, you know, like they're, they're too young to have like real recall and all this stuff like that. So it, uh, just by that virtue alone, they cannot be taken at face value. And she says, in this case, what you really need to look at is not what the child is saying, but how the child is being interviewed. And then they show us uh, video footage of the third interview of the second child who would be the one who recants in court. Uh And in the third interview, the first two interviews, he fully denied that anything had happened to him. So they bring him in for a third interview. And in this interview, the detective with the with the case, his name is Detective Chris Daly. He decides that he's going to come and participate in the interview. And he comes into the room with his gun visibly holstered on his hip. And he just starts asking questions. And he says things like, quote, your mom told me that Mr. Greg is the boss of you. And he had you put lotion on his pee pee. To which the child actually said, like nods his head no. But already what he's doing in that interview leading, technique is yeah. he is leading and he is implanting a thought uh, put lotion on his pee-pee in this kid's brain. And so the child says no. Then Daly asks, did he ask you to keep it a secret? Kid says no again. He continues to ask all about the lotion. Can he describe Greg's pee-pee? And the, the child just keeps saying no or I don't know. And so he's not getting the response he wants, right? So he basically changes his tack and he starts asking um direct option question. So rather than yes or no, he would say something like, Greg made you put lotion on his pee-pee one time or two times? And a four-year-old doesn't understand in this that he has the option to say neither of those zero times. So he, he picks one. So the child then says one time after that. But then he also tells him he wasn't scared of Mr. Greg and that, he, that nothing happened to him. He did not touch him or do any of these things. So... Dr. London, that's the child psychologist, notes that many uh, child advocates who are staunch, like, we must believe the children, only really seem to believe the children when they say they are abused 
And they're less inclined to believe a child when they deny being abused, as in this case. It's like, we don't believe that it didn't happen to you. So she says it's just as important to believe a child who's telling you they were abused as it is to believe a child that's telling you they haven't been abused. Okay, I understand that. Yeah. If that makes sense. So obviously, believe the children, of course, but also investigate the accusation. You just assume people, you assume that the people do are doing their job and investigating properly, you know, because that kind of thing Absolutely. could ruin someone's life. I mean, I'm assuming, anyways, keep going. Keep right. Going. Well, and you know what? And just because um, we're saying here that we think Greg maybe didn't do this, we're not saying that that first child, not the second one, who's clearly being led to say something happened to him when it didn't. Right. But the first child who of their own accord came forward, came and said that they had been abused. We are not denying that ha- that that's true. Uh-huh. It most likely is. Tr- it is true. It's just possible that maybe as a four-year-old kid, he's a little confused exactly about who did it. Yeah. Or he's scared of who did it and he said someone else or whatever. So you need to investigate the claim, right? Yeah. We're not saying that the it didn't happen. We're just saying like, you need to investigate it because maybe it wasn't Greg who did it. Exactly. And it's, I understand the, we want the, or the adults want justice and want to protect children. And of so you can course. easily get like blinded by that. I and think. you, you yeah. can get blinders on, of course, but you know, with all of, so with all of this overwhelming evidence of like how he couldn't possibly have been there the day it happened, uh, the fact that, you know, professionals are saying the techniques used were basically implanting ideas in the kids in the interview rooms and leading them to say certain things. He takes this to the DA, Jana Duty. To say like, hey, I want to file a writ here. And he doesn't even get, he has like a PowerPoint presentation. He doesn't even get to slide seven when they're like, no, we believe the children and get out of here. We got, we got our guy. Now, shortly after this, there would be a leaked video that uh, DA Jana Duty had her husband make as a spoof about like life in the district attorney's office that she wanted to play at the office Christmas party. And in the spoof video that then got leaked to the public, she's mocking judges. She specifically mocks Greg, the Greg Kelly Foundation and his supporters. And then she also like insults members of her staff and like the cases that they had taken to trial and successfully prosecuted. What a weirdo. So why she thought this would go over well or be funny and someone wouldn't leak it to the press, I don't know. But that uh, was a bad look. So now this very popular DA is uh, publicly kind of humiliated. Then she gets arrested and spends 10 days in jail for contempt of court Uh, Basically, which happened after a district judge ruled that she had withheld evidence in a 2014 murder trial. So then she like apparently went all crazy enough to be held in contempt and was arrested and put in prison for 10 Uh days. Oh, duty. Yeah. Now, this would end up being like a, a good turn of fortune for Greg Kelly because election season wasn't too far away when all that drama with her was going down and she lost reelection to uh Sean Dick, who would now, as of 2016, be the new DA mm-hmm. for Williamson County, Texas. So with the new day, DA in office, Keith Hampton, that's Greg's new lawyer, is like, okie dokie, let's try this again. And he goes right back to the office and he lays out the case, the same one he attempted to do before. And he showed Sean a writ that he was planning to file. And uh, Sean Dick found it very compelling, so much so that he decided to call in the Texas Rangers to have them investigate Keith's findings and in doing so Greg's case is, is essentially reopened 
Wow. Uh, he then holds a public news conference after some of the investigation by the Rangers has started, and he drops a bombshell. There is a new person of interest in the case. Oh, my. And the name of that person is Jonathan McCarty. The best friend. His best friend. Oh, my God. So as we now know, he was the only teenage boy living in the house at the time of the alleged um, abuse. And there was a pattern of behavior that had been spoken about. Now, six months after Greg had moved into the McCarty household, he started to notice significant changes in his best friend slash little bro. That's how he described their relationship. Uh, He was getting kind of into drugs. He was being disrespectful. And he was skipping school all the time. He also seemed to start resenting Greg a lot. As I mentioned, Shama, his mom, was like a huge football mom. Mm. And Greg was a football star. And uh, Jonathan was a junior varsity average football player. And I think he just, he well, he wanted what Greg was getting from his parents, like mm. that kind of adoration. Um, and in fact, the reason that Greg moved out of the family home in June of 20. Uh, 13 was because he felt like Jonathan was kind of spiraling into a dark place and something could potentially go down and he didn't want to be caught up in it as a member of the household. Mm. He's been working working so hard to have this this life, get this football scholarship. And he's like, I can't keep hanging out here with like drugs and, you know, truancy and just general bad vibes. And uh, another woman who actually worked at the daycare that his mom ran, Rosalinda Rosalinda Castillo, she also noted that it was very obvious that Jonathan was extremely envious of Greg. Uh, Jonathan tried to, like, take Gabri from Greg, and then after he went to jail, also then, like, tried to become her boyfriend. And basically, it, it appears that Greg wanted... Sorry, Jonathan wanted Greg's life, which made me think of Varsity Blues. I don't want your laugh <laughs> except for i want your laugh um and so since the time that greg was arrested and convicted not only had he tried to steal his girlfriend but he had just not been doing anything good in society in fact he'd been arrested 16 times uh-oh yeah uh, well, what happened to you, Jonathan? Of, what happened to you? I know, Jonathan. What happened? So all of this info is part of why Jonathan is now a person of interest and a possible su- uh, suspect. So Keith decides to go back to the child's victim's interviews to see if what he is saying happened to him. And this is child number one, that he might actually be talking about Jonathan, even though he said the name Greg. And as he's rewatching the videos, everything the kid is saying about the room it happened in is perfectly describing Jonathan's room. And he knows that because there's also Child Protective Service photographs from when the incident occurred. And so he's like, okay, so the trophies he's talking about, the couch he's talking about, that's Jonathan's bedroom. And that's the room the kid is talking about. Uh, So that's, you know, that's compelling. That's reasonable doubt Mm -hmm. at the very least, right? Uh, And so he gets his hearing. He gets the hearing for him. They're, they're, they agree that he he has the right to say, like, mm, I don't think that I had a fair trial or anything fair about this. So on August 2nd of 2017, his writ hearing begins. And holy shit, you guys. Like, Keith Hampton, I might, like, actually be in love with him a little bit. <laughs> he's so good. And he's so thorough. And also, like, there's so much that's so glaringly obvious that you just, you want to rip your hair out. Okay. So he basically wipes the floor with every witness that gets on the stand. So when he, we start with Detective Daly, who 
basically eats so much shit. In the line of questioning, he has to admit that he did zero investigation outside of the outcry interview. He admits it. He admits to never doing any formal identification. He never showed them. He never had them do a lineup, even a photo lineup. They never once tried I mean, the first to have the kids. Of. Yeah, to show the kids photos of teenagers and have them pick out the guy they're saying did this to them. That never happened. Um, he also admits he never interviewed any of the other adults living in the home where it happened. In fact, you guys, he never even went to the house. You know, the crime scene where the crime happened. Oh, my god! Never even stepped foot in the house and all of this comes out on the stand and then in like a really good almost movie type moment keith asks him doctor or not doctor detective daly what do you think the ultimate goal of a police officer should be in investigating oh. a case and instead of responding with you know to discover the truth and seek justice for the victim yeah. detective daly says a police officer's officer's ultimate goal is successful prosecution uh-oh so getting the your suspect convicted is the sole goal, <sighs> which would definitely suggest tunnel vision, blinders, and just zeroing in on someone and ignoring everything else. Uh, Keith also points out how uh, in uh -oh. the video of the outcry interview with the second child, Detective Daly asks the child at one point, did Mr. Chris or Mr. Jonathan give you the lotion? To which the child replied, Mr. Jonathan. Now, this doesn't mean anything because that's one of those direct yep. option questions. Pick one. And he picked one. So we cannot say that that means it was Jonathan. But we know that this detective believes that the kids are saying the truth, right? Yeah. Because he, he mean, doesn't that's understand. Why they yeah. And uh, the fact that he mentions... Jonathan, but then never investigated him. The child says Jonathan, which presumably Officer or, uh, Detective Daly believed, and he still didn't investigate him. And it's just like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, he brought him up. The kid never brought up Jonathan. The detective did, but then never investigated him. So it also comes out in trial that it was Detective Daly himself who contacted the second child's father to tell him that a child at the daycare where his son went to school was molested by Greg Kelly and that the police believed that his son had also been molested by Greg and could they please set up an interview, which would be the first interview of three. And in the first two, the child denied any molestation. And then the third was basically like, can we please make this stop? Fine. One time. Yeah. And then recanted. So what we've basically learned is that Detective Daly believed that his case against Greg would be stronger if there was more than one victim. So he made one up. He invented a second victim uh, to strengthen his case. And that all comes out in this trial. What all right. Ass. I know. He's the worst. He's Ponscom. He's also been promoted since then. But that's a different story. So next up, we have uh, defense lawyer Patricia Cummings. Now, Unbeknownst to the defense or to the prosecution, Patricia set up an early morning ex parte hearing with the judge on the day that she was set to testify. Basically, part of Greg's writ is so there is the actual innocence aspect of it. There is the uh, lack of investigation aspect of it. And then there is the ineffective assistance of counsel meaning his lawyer did not do her job aspect of it. And uh, the fact that that was in there at all, even though it was Patricia who asked Keith to look into this because Greg didn't do it. Well, now she's pissed off because she is not a bad lawyer and she doesn't want her reputation getting dragged through the mud. So she holds this secret hearing and says now that she believes Greg is guilty as sin. What? And also she will not uh, 
it'll somehow it'll be criminal if she has to answer any questions that would violate attorney-client privilege, which would basically be anything they ever talked about or anything she did in his defense, which would mean, like, what could she answer? And so Keith is like, okay, I see you there. We can change. We can change the the writ from, you know, ineffective assistance of counsel to ineffective assistance, assistance of counsel due to conflict of interest. Because, uh, you guys... Remember, it was Shama McCarty who recommended Patricia to Greg and his oh. family. Well, it turns out they're, they go way, 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 way back. So Patricia Cumming had basically represented multiple of Shama's sons over the previous 10 years, including one of the sons who was charged with like lewd acts with a child and indecent exposure. Now, none of the sons was Jonathan. I do want to note that. But three of her other sons had used Patricia Cummings multiple times <gasps> in the previous 10 years. And so during the first trial for Greg, we already know that Patricia did zero investigating, right? Because if she did, she would have seen, oh, he didn't even live in the house when it happened. Uh, but what we learn in the writ trial is that during that first trial, multiple people came to her to suggest that Jonathan might actually have been the one that did this and that he should be looked into because he's obviously, he's a bad kid. He's getting arrested. He's doing drugs. He's skipping school. And uh, he lived there. Uh, and so we should, you should look into him. And every time she said, we're not going there. Uh, and one of the things that should be noted is that more than I think like five people came to her with side-by-side -side photos. And I will post this on our Instagram because it's startling. Side-by-side -side photos of Greg and Jonathan in their football uniforms, I couldn't tell you who was who. Oh, really? Like, they look so similar. It's weird. Because they're not related. But it's weird, right? And so also a four-year-old could, again, reasonable doubt is your job as a defense attorney. Like, you put those pictures up in court and you're like, it's possible that this boy who actually lived there, who looks identical to this boy whose name was given, that maybe everything got confused by a four-year-old. <sighs> I think that's ineffective assistance of counsel, but also conflict of interest because she refused to ever consider that one of the McCarty boys could be involved because she was their lawyer. Right. And that is the definition of a conflict of interest. True, true that. Yeah, right. So now the next witness is a Texas Ranger because oh, his name's Cody Mitchell, because remember the new DA, Sean Dick, had the Texas Rangers come in to investigate. Yes. Now, while being questioned, uh, Ranger Mitchell describes an interview that he had with Jonathan McCarty about a pair of SpongeBob SquarePants pajama bottoms. Now, Jonathan denies that the pajama bottoms belong to him. He says that they're uh, Greg's and that his girlfriend, Gabri, had given them to him. And now this is relevant only because during the interview with the first child, when asked if Greg had any clothes on during the, the assault, the child said, yes, he was wearing SpongeBob SquarePants pajama pants. Oh. However, even though Jonathan is saying they're Greg's and Gabriel gave them to him, several witnesses would testify that the SpongeBob pajamas were definitely Jonathan's and he wore them to school, out in public. In fact, he wore these pants a lot. Like they were kind of, Want like a signature look. Gross. Cody Mitchell even showed Jonathan a cell phone picture of him where he's wearing the pants, but Jonathan continues to just insist, those are not mine. Maybe I borrowed them once from Greg or something, uh, but they're not his. All right. So that is then kind of like the final big testimony. Uh. The Texas Ranger also says that uh, he thinks that this was a completely failed investigation. He thinks it's terrifying that 
anyone at any time can be accused of a crime and thrown in jail and convicted when nobody even investigated the crime. So the trial concludes, and all of these findings are handed over to District Court Judge Donna King, who's a badass, to basically review everything and make a decision on this writ. And then just 13 days, you guys, this is where it's like, oh my God, conspiracies in small towns are insane, but I think they might run rampant. So 13 days after the hearing uh, ended and the judge was in the middle of like deciding what to do, new evidence became public from three search warrants that had been carried out by Ranger Cody Mitchell. And one of the warrants was for Jonathan's cell phone and two others were for Greg's phone. And so in a report that then became public 13 days after the end of the hearing, Ranger Mitchell stated in his report that at the time of the alleged abuse of the child, Greg had an increased frequency on porn sites. He said he believed it was a negative pattern and showed signs of him forming an addiction to pornography. He also stated that on the phone, he found that Greg had multiple accounts for the website Adult Friend Finder, which is like where adults find each other to have sex. Wait, Greg? But again, yeah, that Greg had multiple accounts for the website Adult Friend Finder on his phone. And additionally, uh, Ranger Mitchell said that he found a photo on on Greg's phone of Greg and child victim number one. Greg. Greg. That's all on Greg's phone. So that's bad, you guys. That yeah. looks really, really bad. And the timing couldn't be worse, right? Like he had had this amazing trial where they basically ripped the original trial apart, shown just how bad the in- police investigation was, how bad the lawyers were, how unfair the whole thing had been, how denied due process and his all of his rights Greg had been. And then this is dropped, seeming seems maybe even strategically before the judge has made her decision. Uh, because... These search warrants had happened like earlier. This information could have been presented at trial. Why didn't he present this information at trial? Why did he wait till now to present this information? And Keith believed that it was to assassinate Greg's character in, in, in the eyes of the public. And he was right. And this is where it's just wild. So Keith Hampton is able to prove that while, yes, teenage boy Greg had visited porn sites on his telephone, that that was true. The multiple accounts on Adult Friend Finder, and in the documentary, you hear the phone call with the like customer service at Adult Friend Finder, <laughs> and you see the email where all three or four of the accounts that were named in the file by the ranger, they don't exist. They never did exist. The ranger made them up. What? And in that picture on his phone of Greg with the with victim number one. Uh, it's a selfie of Greg, his girlfriend, Gabri, and a completely unrelated to any of this case child named Parker, where they're all sticking their tongues out and being goofy in a selfie. The three of them. That's the photo that he just said very frighteningly ominous, you know, of him and the child. It's a selfie of him, his girlfriend, and a, a boy named Parker all making silly faces. But why? Why would he do that? Why would the ranger do that? <sighs> We don't know. Oh. Because in this documentary, uh, Patricia Cumming, Cumming, sorry, Cody Mitchell, uh, the families of the, the two victims, they, they did not agree to be interviewed. So we never got to hear like their reasoning for it. But his, his credibility is shot. I mean, we just proved you just made up shit. Yeah. And that's not the kid. 
And uh, first of all, adult friend finder. Right. I'm like, doesn't who really also do doesn't really work either because you're suggesting that this is a pedophile. Right. So it also doesn't really track. So after this is all comes out that this was all made up, this information, D.A. Sean Dick decides, OK, it could be a couple months before the judge hands down you know, her decision. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to allow Greg to get out on bond so that he can go be with his family. Because at this point, the DA is like, I don't know what's going on, but I do know that I this kid wasn't given a fair trial. So I'm at the very least, I can let him out on bond and he can go home and be with his family while the courts decide his fate. Years after going into prison, Greg finally is home with his family, anxiously awaiting wow. the judge's decision. Now, several months later, after being released on bond, Greg and Gabri got engaged. And Greg was attempting to start a new life, but also kind of hesitant to start because he doesn't know if he is free or not. And finally, in the midst of, you know, so much happiness, but also so much unknown and kind of limbo, uh, District Judge Donna uh, King finally announces her decision. And this is what she said. So this is in quotes, quote, the court finds that the accumulation of evidence supports applicants claim of actual innocence. He has met his burden and established that he is actually innocent of the events for which he was convicted. The court recommends the defendant's claim of actual innocence be granted and that his conviction be set aside. Additionally, Judge King says Patricia Cummings counsel was ineffective. Yes, it was. And that Greg's rights were violated. She also states he was denied due process because of a deficient police investigation. And that's where it ends. So she's like, this is what I think. Now, here's the deal. This isn't the end. Because oh. after that, this is a hearing, right? So the judge, this is her decision. She or her recommendation, if you will. We should definitely let this kid go and t- say and set aside the conviction, like basically exonerate him. But the her recommendation has to basically and the writ itself is sent to the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals, the CCA, which is a, a group of nine judges who will review all of the case information and the Judge King's decision. And then they will decide to either okay. uphold her recommendation to suggest retrying him again and or worst case scenario, sending him right back to jail. I mean, like, no, your original conviction stands. But in the meantime, Greg will be allowed to stay out on bond. He's told that this could take weeks or months, but it was going to be a lot longer than that before he would know his fate. For two years, Greg's life would be in limbo. He'd be trying to plan for the future, not knowing if he had one. Now, the CCA every Wednesday at 9 a.m. uploads like the latest cases that they've reviewed in their decisions to their website for the public to see. And for two years... Every oh Wednesday God. at 9 a.m., he said every Tuesday night he went to bed not knowing if it was his last night as a free man for two years. And the documentary crew, they don't show all of them, but they were with him every Wednesday morning the entire time until they finally get the answer because they wanted to film that moment. Uh, eight months after Donna King's recommendation that his conviction be set aside was sent to that court, Greg gets a call from his lawyer, Keith Hampton, who tells him that he was just informed that Jonathan McCarty had been arrested for raping a 15-year-old girl. Additionally, it was revealed that child pornography had been found on Jonathan's phone. Now, in the documentary, in an interview with the rape victim, she says that she believes that her assault could have been prevented if police had investigated Greg Kelly's case properly. 
She then also says that the first time Jonathan came to her house, he was wearing SpongeBob pajama pants. <gasps> so Ew. he like It's just so upsetting and both she and her sister testified to that that he was wearing that Jonathan was wearing those pants. So Let's see. So sorry. In fact, after Greg's uh, like second hearing, the one where he showed all of the things that went wrong in his first one, and Jonathan's name kind of came out as a potential suspect and definitely person of interest, several girls from several different nearby counties came forward and said that Jonathan McCarty had raped them. How does that lady still have a, I mean, she probably still doesn't, but Shama, how did she have a freaking childcare? I mean, she certainly doesn't, for sure. You're right. I don't know. But even when her younger or when her older sons were caught for lewd behavior, you should just not be able to have one. I guess because he didn't live in the home with them. I don't think it matters. I don't know. (laughs) So for two years, as I mentioned, there's some wonderful things happened. He and Gabriel get engaged. She stuck by him, you guys. They were, they've been friends since seventh grade. They started dating. I think in eighth grade and she stood by him and they are married today. Y'all like she said that weirdly, she doesn't know if they would have ever made it at a couple if this hadn't happened, Mm. but because of her belief in him and everything that they learned about each other throughout this and the fact that they had to connect only through like letters and things like that, like that she's like, we will, I love him so much more than I think would have ever been possible. Had we not been put through this thing that of course I wish we had not been put through, but One of the things that uh, Greg decides while he's waiting to know what his life is going to look like is that he he really wants to play football and he wants to play for the University of Texas at San Antonio. So he starts, he gets the opportunity to meet and train with a fellow named Jeremy Hills, who is a trainer for many of like the NFL's free agents. So like a big deal football oh, trainer. Oh, cool. Yeah. So he is training with like literal NFL free agents, getting himself back in shape because his plan is once he knows, once he finds out if he is in fact free and innocent is to try out for the walk on football team of the Mm. team that he had already been given a full ride scholarship to play with. But that's that's what he's working towards. So finally, in November, because he can't make that choice, he can't even try out, but technically he's still an inmate out on bond. Under a bench right. warrant. So like anyone looks him up, he is he is a prisoner still. Even though he's out on bond, he is not free. He is not innocent. He has not been, mm. you know, let go. Um, and that hangs over his head. So finally, you guys, in November of 2019, Greg and Gabri are living in New York City in like the tiniest 200 square foot studio while Gabri is attending the Broadway Center for Dance on a scholarship. They're going to be there for four months and on November 6th of 2019, he's being interviewed as he always was every Wednesday by the makers of the documentary. And he turns on, he's got like the fire stick thing, so it's actually on the TV. And he turns it on, and at the very top is his name. And next to it, it says relief granted, meaning... Oh, my God. He, they granted, they agreed, they, they basically <laughs> agreed with uh, Donna King's findings uh, the fact that his name was first, also, it's like kind of like the importance of the cases are in order, like the bigger cases. So he's like the first name. It's like a beautiful scene in the documentary. He's like, you can tell he's in shock. He can't believe he's actually seeing his name and also that he's just found out he's free. He texts Gabri. Uh, he's talking to the producers. She comes running in out of breath. And he's like, where's all your stuff? She's like, it's my stuff's all over New York City. I just dropped everything and ran home. Oh, my god! And they like cry. It's really sweet. Um, 
And then on November 27th, badass judge, district judge Donna King herself is the one who gets to formally exonerate Greg. Wow. In the same courtroom where he was convicted. And uh, he's free. And he and Gabriel are married today. Um, he still loves football, although I think obviously twenty the timing of all of this was all like right before COVID happened. So they got married in 2020, um, probably was planning on doing all that football stuff and then COVID. But now they own a dance studio together and he sells, you know, how like throwing axes is a sport people like. Oh, yeah. He sells like the custom built targets and has like oh, cool. apparently an incredibly successful business doing that with his brothers. So luckily... You know, he was finally like exonerated of this crime. But the real crime here is that not just what was done to him, which was his whole life was stolen from him. No, but all but the, the victim yeah. is also a, a victim of everything that was done to Greg, of the lack of investigation, of the, you know, the lack of due process that was like they never looked for anyone else. Therefore, the person who really did this got away got with to it. hurt other people and that means that the the victim you know also never got justice now it should be stated even though they they refuse to be interviewed for it they still believe 100 percent that greg is the one that hurt their son um and that is that is what that is so i can only imagine the pain then of him being released was for them but i also hope oh. i hope somehow they're able to come across some of the information that maybe they don't have that was in this documentary about everything that was done wrong um, and all of the evidence that I think really strongly suggests uh, who did do this. Mm -hmm. uh, so let's see what else happened. Detective Daly was promoted to sergeant and still works in the Cedar Park Police Department. The other uh, officer, Mannix, that I had mentioned who was involved, he's retired. Um, weirdly, the DA Jana Duty, who, who was, you know, very very responsible for going so hard at Greg. She died by suicide in 2019. I don't know any details about that. And then on February 6th of 2020, Jonathan McCarty was released from prison after serving the four years that he agreed in a plea deal to serve for the rape of a 15-year-old girl. Um, and to this day, he has never been charged with the super aggravated sexual assault of a child that Greg Kelly was convicted of. And Ugh. that is the dark, and it's so dark. And it's, I could not recommend, I know Showtime's kind of a weird one. I did a free trial. Oh, yeah. I literally did a free trial, a seven-day free trial to watch this. I left out so much. There's no way we would have had to do like seven-hour episode. Um, thank you for bearing with me, uh, me for that long as is. I highly recommend it. Um, I do feel strongly after watching it that that he was innocent and I'm very glad mm -hmm. for him that he was exonerated. He was apparently only the 205th person in the state of Texas to ever be formally exonerated because they just don't do that. They don't say like, mm. you, we were wrong. You didn't do this. Um, there's only been 230 in the history of the state and he was number 205. So crazy. And I have that's so many thoughts, but that's so upsetting. I know, and I'll keep my eye on, I've been keeping my eye on certain things that are still ongoing, you know, from stories that we've covered. So when we have more information or things change, obviously I will talk to you all about Alex Murdoch again, whose trial just started. If anything ever comes up with this case again with Jonathan McCarty being charged, I promise to bring that to you guys. Um, 
but at the very least i i'm 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 glad for for greg and gabriel and their families that that the fight was worth it yeah yeah that the belief and loyalty and love won out me too. Well, speaking of love, next week we have coming at you the love of my life, who's going to be a special guest. Or sorry, not next week. Next, next week. Next, that's next true, that's Tuesday. True. That's right. I'm so excited. Are you going to let it's him pick be... the show or should I let him pick the crime? Oh, he's got a show, I think. He's okay. got a show in his mind. So we'll, but we'll, we'll discuss it. We'll get down dirty. And he's a, he's a fun one, that Adam. Oh, yeah. You guys are going to love Adam. He might end up becoming like our third host if it goes down. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if he didn't work so much, I think he would have a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. Because he, he actually really loves the crime. Um, oh, you guys, thank you so much for listening this week. Yes. This was a doozy. It was and a long one. Wow. No, it's a, it was a wild and very upsetting, but like yeah. also slightly happy, but also then, oh. But still mm. just injustice. Justice not yep. being done is, is always so frustrating. But yeah, watch Friday Night Lights if you haven't. And watch so out, And watch Outcry if you want to know more about the story I told. And we just, damn it, we love you, Rom Criminals, so much. Thank you guys for listening. Yes, we'll see you next, next Tuesday. Bye. Rom Thank you for listening to Rom Crime with Avrin and Vanya. Episodes arrive every other Tuesday, so be sure to subscribe to stay up to date on all things Rami and crimey. You can also follow us on Instagram at romcrime or email us movie and true crime suggestions at romcrimepodcast at gmail.com. And as always, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.